Hey, Biz Dads, welcome back to another week, episode two in season two. It is good to be here. We uh, got a great show. We're going to shift things up a little bit, shake things up a little bit. We're going to talk about two key topics today. We're still going to hit you with the final four at the end of the show, but we're going to try to get more specific and dive a little deeper on a few of these things. But you'll still hear how the weekend went. So let's jump into it. This week's Biz Dads. All right, guys, how was the weekend? Andres, congrats to your Chiefs. Thank you, Brad. We're, I guess we're starting to get a little spoiled as Kansas City fans to go back to the Super Bowl in back-to-back years and host the AFC Championship three years running. I want to say it's getting normal, but it's kind of different when you watch your team and you're disappointed when they're not playing as well as you know they can versus, you know, for many years you watched your team and hoped that they could stay in the game. So... Yeah, it's going to be a fun uh, next couple weeks. Um, I'm glad Patrick Mahomes was able to come back from his concussion. And it, it looked like in, in uh, flashes, there was some of the Chiefs offense that everybody likes to watch. Fast-paced and a lot of big plays. Well, we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week because we didn't record. But your Chiefs uh, beat my Browns. They got by by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. I thought when Mahomes went out that uh, we had a real shot there. But it was unfortunate that you let a backup quarterback who's been in the league for 13 years rush for 14 yards and there goes the Brown <laughs> season. But I guess uh, I really was, I'm not going to lie to you. I really was cheering on the bills. The underdog in me would have loved the bills to get back to try to get another shot, shot at it. Bill's mafia would have uh, probably had done some funny stuff down on the beaches of South Florida. I saw the Super Bowl tickets when Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay bucks who are going to be the first team ever to play in their home stadium for a Super Bowl, ticket prices like nosebleeds went up to like fourteen, fifteen thousand bucks. They're on the secondary market right now. You could sit last row of the stadium, fourteen thousand bucks. I thought I saw or heard during the telecast yesterday that the NFL is gonna are they gonna give how many tickets to first seventy five seven thousand or seventy five hundred, I think. Yeah, and like each team gets to send, is it two or four? Healthcare workers. I thought that was really cool. Um, I think the yeah the majority of them I think are going to come from that that Bay Area, but Tampa Bay Area. But I mean, it's it's really cool. I think what they're trying to do, based on a conversation I had with somebody this week who works in the NFL, was they're going to put them next to each other, right? Like fill a section with that group of people to say, hey, these have all been vaccinated because they've all will have had their first shot, and I think they're going to have their second shot by the time they enter the stadium. So they're going to almost use it as a little bit of publicity too. Not just the goodwill of inviting them, but the goodwill of showing and building the faith of we can all sit in a stadium together after we're vaccinated. Yeah, that's 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 cool. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Let's hope it goes the right way. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, that's that's good. No, the Brown the Browns had a great season. I mean, both both the Browns and the Bills. I think it was a comment that Nance and Romo were making at the end of the the end of the game. Just the, the AFC is pretty stacked and pretty loaded. There's a lot of young, talented quarterbacks in the AFC. So, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion that the the chefs will be able to run the table every year. It's a lot of talent. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh... It's fun to see. Obviously, there's some some legacy teams getting back into the mix too, with you know the Bills and the Browns and the 20 plus year dynasty of the Patriots kind of coming to an end. And yeah, it, I, I can only hope it's just as competitive next year as we get into more regular season. So, Twist, how was your weekend? What'd you do? I just played a lot of Uppy Uppy. Just played another match. Um, on a Uppy Uppy High. Other can you that. explain to the group what Uppy Uppy is? Give us your 30 second elevator speech. Okay, so Uppy Uppy is a sport you play on a tennis court. I created it with my sisters and two best friends when I was in sixth grade. You play with four people, two people on each side. You play inside the service boxes on a tennis court. You kick the ball with your foot to start, so you get one bounce, and then you have to Uppy it with your hands. You're not allowed to use your feet for the rest of the time. You can just use your hands. You just use your foot to serve. Then you get one bounce, and then you uppy it to your partner and play to 21. So it's volleyball, but you kick the ball to serve. Um, yes. So it's kind of like four square meets tennis, volleyball, and soccer all together. Hmm. And this is the ideation of the Gaskins girls. At what age was this all started? I was probably in sixth or seventh grade. Have you ever thought about uh, taking this sport pro? I have many a times. And I need your help to start it. 
What makes a good uppy uppy ball? I want it to be a hybrid between a four square ball and a volleyball. For those that uh, are wondering why I'm asking these questions, because Anne and I have talked about this game at quite some time, and she disagrees with me on the go-to-market strategy, but we'll talk about that maybe for a later date. Andres, do you have any questions about Uppy Uppy? No, I, I was thinking it was with a racket, so now that you guys have talked about it, it's just it's a game with your feet and your hands. It's only one foot one time. One foot one Okay, just to start. It sounds like the Gaskins girls really got bored for a while there. Sounds fun. Preteen years. I wanted to get outside, didn't want to play video games, and I probably have a million more games I could tell you about, but that was the one we loved the most. I just played it with some guys and some girls who are all 25, and we just are all dripping sweat, having the time of our life. I was just telling someone, I think it's the happiest I am is when I'm playing Uppy Uppy. You're definitely the happiest when you talk about it. I've noticed that over our our several years together. I will tell you that it ties in really, really well to our topic today because you getting outside as a young kid creating a game is so amazing i we created a game my brother and i created a game with our group of buddies it was called pumpkin ball and ultimately it was in our driveway and it was baseball with a basketball so the pitcher had to bounce the pitch in a la cricket and then you had to hit the basketball like a baseball. So it was cricket slash baseball with a basketball. And it was a really fun game until we all got big. And then we could like hit our neighbor's house with the basketball and break <laughs> windows and knock roof shinglings off. We did that several times. And you don't realize how far a basketball will truly fly when hit with a metal bat uh, with, you know, when a bunch of high school football players are doing it. It was pretty, pretty awesome. All right, more to come on that topic as we jump in here. But uh, I do have to tell you guys, I've got had a fun weekend. We had our Pinewood Derby this weekend. Andres, we had the Pinewood Derby. It was uh, it was crazy. We you know my car sucked again. Um, Me too. I had to uh, deal with a son who was disappointed in the makeup of his car, and um, I was annoyed because I'm like, look, dude, I'm not an engineer. Um, I have no real woodworking skills. My father has four thumbs. The fact that I actually could use a saw myself was, is a small feat. And I consider myself pretty handy, but when you really get down to the, the details of these cars, man, people are experts at it, like weight balance. And they use the right graphite on the wheels and the shafts, 3000 grit stamp. I mean, it's, you could do a lot, man. I just don't have the time for that. So I know you and I have talked a lot about the Pinewood Derby. Uh, hopefully you guys had a good time because at least we had a good time up until we had to rush out of there for baseball. It seems like it was a blur. Yeah, I mean, there was what? I think there was probably 20 kids in total. Last year there were probably triple that. So we had a lot fewer participants. Renzo's car last year consistently took fifth or sixth out of six cars in most of the heats. Uh, I built that car in your basement. It had nothing to do with your tools. It had everything to do with the fact that we just cut the wrong design. As one dad told me, the least amount of wood, the most amount of weight. Yep. Um, yep. So anyway, this year his car took second or third in some of the heats. He had a blast. It was a shorter morning than I thought. We were only there for, you know, I don't know, two hours. But I thought what's funny is that the the kid that won and his mom that won the adult races, I think the dad made both cars. And yeah, there's, there's they a, seem they, to win every year. They do. There's some experts in the space. It's kind of like... Dude, uh, their engineering playing. skills are ridiculous. Yeah, it's like going against the Chiefs, man. You, you know, there's the dynasty being built. Now, I will tell you, in a different kind of speed, the speed I'm terrified of this upcoming weekend is... Um, I have talked to you guys about the big calendar club that I'm a part of and these big initiatives to try new things. Uh, we've talked about the Masogi, which is the Ragbri race across Iowa, which we're going to do. But one of the things is called Kevin's Rules Trips. So Kevin's Rule Trips means go do things you haven't done once every month or two. You go do something you haven't done or something you've always wanted to do or just take a time to kind of decompress, relax, whatever. So I got talked into taking my two boys by myself. My wife is getting a full weekend off up to Maggie Valley 
to learn how to ski. Do either of you ski? I do both. I ski and snowboard. Andres, you don't ski or snowboard, do you? I haven't been since I was probably in junior high school, maybe high school. It's been a long time. For those listeners who maybe not have seen me in person, um, and if you looked up the mountain and you saw me wildly coming down towards you, what would you do? Run, bolt, hide. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that's unfortunately what the poor people of Catalucci are going to have to deal with this weekend. I'm trying to get us lessons, going with friends of ours who are like expert skiers. Like these two kids have been skiing since they were 18 months, basically since they could stand. Dad, he is an expert skier. Like he used to work for Solomon. I mean, he taught, this is no joke, he taught Tiger Woods how to ski. That's literally not a joke. He taught Tiger Woods and Bradley Cooper and all these guys how to ski. So I am screwed and I'm terrified. And I may be doing this show next week with some sort of cast on my body or at least torn muscles or stoned off of muscle relaxers. One of those things is bound to happen. I'm very excited to hear how this went. I'm picturing very funny things. I will also tell you that's a ridiculously expensive sport. Do you have any idea how much this shit costs? Sport of Kings, right? Um, I'm guessing, given the demand, there is no discount to attract skiers to Catalucci, which isn't it in North Carolina? Yeah, dude, I'm $440 into just lift tickets for two days. $450, and I haven't even gotten on a ski yet. And that's not to mention the crap that you need. And I have a disease. My wife hates this about me, but the disease is normally like, I can't go in there looking like a beginner. So I have to get some decent stuff. So I had to get a helmet, and I had to get some goggles, and I had to make sure that my pants didn't look like they just came out of Goodwill. And I had to make sure my kids dressed the same way too. So I'm a few hundred dollars into that kind of crap. Easy. 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 Wow. Um, that's done that we're, you know, anyway. So more to come That'll on that. Fun, man. Take some pictures. Dude, that'll be awesome. I'll let you guys know how it goes. I'm still scared. All right. So let's jump into it. We talked about two topics, two to three topics to show. We're going to take a deeper dive. No more just kind of current event report. You guys can read the news, watch the news, get it yourself. Let's get into it. This week's Deep Tracks. All right, Andres, I got a problem. COVID. I got eight and six year old and almost seven. And we had not ever had a gaming system. No PlayStation or Xbox or Nintendo Switch or whatever. And uh, I decided that one, as we get into more gaming specific stuff at work, I I needed to understand a little bit more about it. I kind of used that as an excuse to get a system. We didn't let the kids play the system for a while. And then as we got deeper into COVID, it was probably like August. September, probably about September. I let them play. And now I feel it was the biggest mistake I've ever made. We're pretty restricted on how long they get to play. You know, not more than they can't just sit there for hours on end. But I have realized that my boys are obsessed with Minecraft, both the computer education version and the PlayStation version. Uh, my oldest son is now obsessed with Fortnite, which is really my biggest mistake and then there's the other games are uh, the uh, the show which is baseball and madden which is football and there's a racing game it's to the point now where i'm actually getting pretty angry and it's the it's become the thing that we take away so every threat of them misbehaving is you will lose playstation and we just recently came off of a week of them losing playstation and i sat them down and i said all right now you saw you could go a week without playstation and you made time to do a bunch of other stuff but they get it back the next day they're fighting over it again they're back on it they're arguing back and forth and i am really annoyed where i want to throw the thing out the damn window can you switch off and let them each have their own separate hours well and i want to have that conversation with future mother Anne, uh because there's no real good balance to that because one doesn't let the other one play you you as a parent lose track of time so it's not fair and it's not even it's such crap i mean the minecraft thing is actually pretty interesting they're really creative right but fortnite dude that's that crap i mean i don't like the whole shooting up shoot them up kind of first person shooter stuff so we haven't let them get into too much of that but i mean at the end of the day they're using guns and trying to shoot other players so i'm not a big fan of that either Right, we have a very specific gun respect rule in our house that really came from my grandfather and you know my dad, etc. So, 
That's good. Yeah. All my son talks about is Fortnite. Dad, did you know this about Fortnite? Dad, did you know this? I got this skin. Dad, can I buy V-Bucks because I need to get a new skin? I'm like, dude, stop talking about Fortnite. <laughs> I feel like, again, I'm not a parent, but I feel like a lot of video games and stuff like that is just so they can talk about it with their friends. You know, it's like a talking point at school. It's And that is so right on. Like, they want to inv- now they can talk to each other. Like, could you imagine, Andres, me and you playing Duck Hunt, me and Ackworth, you and Newton, and being able to talk to each other? Like, you can do that now. Yeah, I was going to say that that's a dimension of gaming that our generation, the Gen X, Gen Y, just did not have. And so at dinner tonight, I was talking with Heidi and Frankie. She's third grade. Seems like that's around the age where video games start to become something that the kids want to do. And so I was asking question after question, are your girlfriends into video games? You know, are the boys in third grade that you know, do they talk about video games? And there's definitely some kids in our neighborhood that I know are big gamers. Um, And it's really, really fascinating when you hear the third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade kids perspective. You just talked about Ben, like it's the, it's a social yeah. element, but there's there's a lot more to this. We got to unpack it. I just can't get over the fact that they can be so obsessed with something. It scares me. Um, my mind immediately goes to addictive personalities, and just to unwrap a little bit about my own psyche is, I was always afraid of having an addictive personality, like whether it be drugs as a high schooler or college kid, like being around it. I didn't like it. I didn't want to be around it. I don't like it now. I don't want to be, you know, um, in a situation where my kids find something so interesting and so they're so into it that they can't talk about anything else. I mean, it all goes to the, you know, we've always talked about kind of finding balance and all of that on this show. That's a total extreme and really stupid at the end of the day for me to take it that far. But I do get pretty worked up when I we're in a car ride for 15 minutes and all the kids have talked about is Fortnite. Like I'm like, all right, this will be our last Fortnite conversation. And then we're going to talk about what you do in school or we're going to talk about, and they probably feel the same way when I talk about sports with them, like trying to get them to throw the football or hit off the tee or whatever. And so we have to find this kind of balance of this back and forth. I actually had to have a man to man conversation with ben i let him sit in the front seat i was like dude i think you're being disrespectful i think it has a lot to do with these games i think you're getting so worked up about what's going on you're being disrespectful to me you're being disrespectful to your mom you're being disrespectful to your brother and i just think they like because there's not enough personal interaction they kind of forget i don't know what do you think i've never played Fortnite, but i was doing i was doing my diligence in prep for the show and there seems like there's two camps to gaming you correct me if i'm wrong we we have a wii and we have the old i think it was an 8-bit sega that you know the the kids don't even play it (laughs) i bought it as like a novel christmas gift like three years ago and it's it's not gotten a lot of action but the wii gets a lot of action so i feel like the gaming thing you either are you have gamers or you don't and then once they start it's now this whole discussion around, okay, how do you control it? Because it's like the horse has left the barn, right? So it's no longer are they going to get to game. It's now how much are they going to get to do? So here's a couple of questions I'll throw out at you. Since we're not gaming yet, heavy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. my boys are a couple years younger than yours, or I guess Renzo's the same age as Andrew. So Andrew's into it. Minecraft. Andrew does Minecraft. Minecraft. Okay. Yeah. And again, that's the the problem of like when Renzo, when Renzo gets into it, yeah. Yeah. Maximo will right. follow suit follow. because you're not right. going to it's hard yeah. anyway. Maybe you're better at this than I am, but it's hard to say, "Okay, Ben, you are now of the age to be able to do this. Andrew, you're not." Right. You have to wait 2 years. Well, I mean, try to instill that. So the the social side of this. We we talked about how you and I would not have been able to chat well, we couldn't playing video games growing up. I had a Sega growing up. I don't know if you guys had any kind of console. You and Kevin, did you we, guys have we, any? We had a Nintendo, and it caused ridiculous. Kevin was better at it than I was. And what I would right. do when he beat me is I would try to smother him with a beanbag chair, and it would cause this <laughs> huge fight. And my mom would then get pissed, and you know, it was yeah. terrible. That we we, but again, we got forced outside. Right. So 
Yeah, so I think we probably similar. My my brother and I had a gaming console. My sister, I don't think, ever really got into it. And so we're not doing a lot of gaming. But do you buy this whole social element to it? Because I was asking my daughter tonight. We were doing this whole debate back and forth. You know, she's she's more of that. She comes home from school, she maybe grabs a snack, and then she wants to kind of go do something creative, like draw or you know, play or maybe a friend or something. She's not going upstairs to play the Wii. Like that's kind of appointment stuff, basically. You know, the whole family's up there or her and her brother are up there doing it. Um, it's not something that just immediately comes to mind. So my first question is, do you buy this whole social element? That look, it, it does create a social opportunity for kids that they wouldn't otherwise have. And that there's some net positive that comes out of that. No, the social element is driving the obsession. Okay. Do you buy the you argument? You understand what I mean by that, right? Like yeah, yeah. all these kids are talking yeah. about it so much. It literally yeah. is always top of mind. Yeah. Um, and so if you're not a gamer and you don't have Fortnite, you're almost sort of out of the loop. And he was for the longest time, Ben particularly, where all of his baseball buddies or all of his buddies at school where we're playing a lot. That's what I was going to ask you next. It's like, what are the little circles? Is it baseball teammates? Is it classmates? Or is it all, all of the above? It's um, it's classmates and, 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 and kids he plays sports with. Yeah. Because they all talked about it. I, I We were the last holdout, really. Right. Which I'm proud of, but now wish I would have just always held out. Yeah. So so in terms of the, um, the, I guess, the social part, you've already addressed that. You don't see any sort of redeeming value in that. You know, there's, there's a lot of debate around this, but, like, this whole idea that, like, it, it can sort of, like, boys particularly you hear a lot of this where they can sort of develop like at, they're more agitated they're more temperamental they're more uh reactive when they've been so dialed into the game for like an hour or it's the worst know. man they, it's like a yeah. it's like a um you see that the dopamine in, in yeah. their brains is impacted by it. i'm i'm not it's it is scary yeah. it's it yeah. scares me i want i want to take it away because i'm afraid that it particularly as they get into the the shoot 'em up games the call of duties and the grand theft autos and yeah yeah like i have a buddy of mine who said you know we're we only allow our son to play games where he shoots non-human things and i'm like i don't know if that really matters at the end of the day they're they're have gun shoot gun which i don't think is very very productive or appropriate minecraft is different they because they really do get creative but i'm telling you man um, even then they get so locked in and you can't pry them away. They don't listen to you. It's bad. I don't, it's mm. bad. So we were talking at dinner about, I was asking my daughter, like, cause she's not, she doesn't know really what Fortnite is, but Renzo, my middle one, he likes watching YouTube. This is, this is where I catch him. And so we have this thing, like you're talking about gaming. So we all have our stuff, right? So in our house, my son will sneak off and he'll get on YouTube because I, I have an account and I'm, I should probably create settings so that he can't, but I haven't done that. He will watch this game. Well, he'll watch these people gaming this game. And it's basically a game where you're trying to figure out like, who's the character that doesn't belong. And so it's called among us. And yeah, I don't know yeah, if you've yeah. heard of that game, but yeah. I hadn't even heard about it. And Heidi was like, oh, it's called Among Us. They play it and in now, school. Yeah. Oh, they do. Yeah. That's where, ben, so, that's where Ben and Andrew got introduced to it. Yeah. So Heidi tonight, when we were talking about this, like she didn't have this reaction of, oh, it's awful. And, you know, I want to kick him off YouTube. Like it was more, it's, it's this mysterious character game where you're trying to sort of figure out who's the who's the among us, who's the alien, and then the alien can kind of like I guess hurt you or kill you or whatever. But he likes watching people game, so he's like at the one yard line with like refrigerator Perry getting ready to get the ball to run into the end zone. Like he's right there. I mean, you know, if I put a controller in his hand, dude, he would be he he can self regulate. I mean, you know, so so I'm right there with you. It it becomes an issue that you, I think you now have to start thinking about the content, what you're saying, which is, you know, do you go sports games and strategy games or do you go, you know, shoot 'em ups? And, and there's no real. It's hard to yeah. to to keep them from one or the other because right. of that social aspect. Um, Andrew, 
because he loves Minecraft so much, he watches these YouTube videos of these, uh, you know, probably kids Anne's age who are making millions of dollars, millions of dollars doing this, playing Minecraft, and that's how he's learned the entire game. So if you want to say that these kids are learning this this technology life skill that they're going to be so much more advanced, there's a point to that, right? I get it. I can't figure out those games. I tried to play Fortnite. I wanted to see what it was like because I was afraid of it. I tried to play Minecraft. I can't figure it out. I can't figure out how the game operates. These kids get on there and dude, they are in it and they're 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 teaching each other. And you know, it has actually helped my boys uh, in Minecraft for example. They have this bond now to help each other do certain things, which is kind of neat, but still a very small you know, attribute amongst more negative ones. But he watch he'll watch these people for hours if we let him play this game. Uh, and it's a literally it's on it's just a guy on YouTube playing a video game, his picture in little corner, and he's talking and he's making fun and he's it's it's terrible. I'm and you can't control it as much as you think you can. Mm. Who has access to them? Like Ben and I have had serious conversations about who he's allowed to communicate with and talk with. I have not allowed him to talk back and forth to anyone. I've shut that part of the game off. Right. He can see when his friends are in the game and they can play, but I'm not allowing him to talk because you open that Pandora's box and next thing you know, he's getting you know creepy dudes trying to f- friend him, right? And you have no control over that. So I would say the moral of the story here, and let's, we need to talk more about this when we have more time, but really the moral of this story is, and I would love people who are listening to have some advice and to share some input because it's something we've got to get a hold of, right? It's like, the generation ahead of the generation ahead of us who has who have kids in these you know teen years they're dealing with a social media phenomenon right the bullying and the and the the cyber bullying st- yeah and, and and the 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 living up to expectations that social media right. provides and right. lack of personal interaction ours are going to be this like the, how how do these games these violent terrible games impact these kids lives I don't know, man. We're gonna have to talk about this again because I think there's too much. Yeah, to talk I about. think it's. I think it's. A, I think it's a topic that we'll have to revisit because there is a lot. Well, you've got everything that's happened over the last year with COVID, but then the other part that's growing is this virtual reality is coming, and I know that's impacting your business, and you're seeing that augmented reality, and, which is and even worse. augmented reality, right? And how people are trying to integrate this experience, this virtual experience, with like going just to sit down for a football game. You know, it's not yeah. enough to just watch the game. Now you got to be like in the game. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot more of that to come. I think it's going to be more pervasive in society uh, when the 5G revolution really takes off. I think we're only scratching the surface. So it's probably a topic we need to revisit on a more frequent basis. Let's do it. Make note, producer twist, you're on us for the next time. All right, let's jump into our take two. What I wanted to break down tonight and get some perspective on was when do you start talking to your kids and start to think about what's after high school? I know it seems absurd, right? Cause we have elementary age kids, you know, third grade kids. So they're a few years out to be, to be perfectly clear. But what's, what's interesting is, you know, we have kids that play a lot of sports. They're in a lot of extracurricular activities and we talk about you know, sports, whether it's subconsciously or consciously through the things we're doing, not necessarily for them to get into certain colleges and to get scholarships, but that's kind of in the back of your mind, don't you think? I mean, in a way, not yours specifically, but that's in the back of parents' minds, right? Always. We've got to pick a sport by a certain grade because if we don't, we're going to fall behind, right? Absolutely. And yeah, so, so th- when does that start to happen with respect to the academic part of it? like getting into a college and when do we start paying attention as parents, whether it's subconsciously, you know, making sure they're doing their homework, making sure that they're getting good grades or more proactively, like when they're in middle school and high school, Hey, we got to get tutors because we got to get prepared for the SAT or blah, blah, blah. So the books I've been reading and a lot of the articles I've been reading about this is I don't know. It's just created a lot of questions in my mind. And I thought it would be an interesting topic tonight to 
break down when do we start thinking about not just the is he good enough to get a scholarship to play football or basketball or baseball or soccer could she get a scholarship to dance in college versus i don't know if you've checked lately brad but just getting into the university of georgia like our flagship school here in georgia i mean it's incredible like how yeah. difficult it's gotten not to mention the cost so i'm starting to think about you know how do we save for college and what are ways we we can offset the costs for college because you know in six seven years we're going to be there so tonight i was going to say we could talk a little bit about that yeah i like it i mean and i think there's two approaches to this one is the savings aspect like we started saving when the kids were born there's the arrogant part of us margaret and i both who think you know our kids are great enough that you know there's some sort of scholarship at the end of the rainbow but you cannot bank on that but i think really what it boils down to the two parts is one the road to college, to your last point of the difficulty of getting into a place like the University of Georgia, is now all impacted by their middle school and high school journey. A kid that goes to private school, like in our community, a Westminster, a Lovett, or a Pace, has a very, very low chance of getting into a school like Georgia, right? Because they have such you know, high academic standards, they have to diversify their enrollment and they're, they have s such high demand, they're pulling kids from here and there, right? So you have a better chance of going to some of these schools if you're an outstanding performer at a smaller public school in a, you know, an underserved community, that kind of thing. Um, we do have the Hope Scholarship here. So there's the fight for those dollars. That actually is coming up again in the state legislature this session to talk about sports betting and horse racing and how those dollars can be used because there aren't enough funds to support the Hope Scholarship anymore. So you're fighting for those funds. And, I mean, your kid needs to learn how to study. So that's where I think it is for us, right? There's, there's two things in this. I'm sorry, let me back up. The second part is when do you start talking to them about the importance of higher education, as a whole, right? So you have your kid has to understand the importance of education. And we have taken the path. I'll start there first. We have taken the path of explaining to them that it is no option. You will go to college. And in order to get to college, you have to have good grades and you have to learn how to study from here. And I often use the example of how when I went to college, I had not developed good study habits. I was a bad student. I had gotten by in high school with, with a above average grades, not great grades, but above average grades because it was fairly easy, right? My wife, who was all A's, great studier, went to college and cruised through, right? Um, I struggled my first couple of years because of the party and lifestyle and the, the responsibility and all of that. So I think there's an element of it. We have to start talking to our kids now about the skill sets needed to to have that higher education. So we talk about the importance of college right now a lot with both of our kids, even in kindergarten, or first grade and third grade. Not to where we're talking about where they're going to go to college and what their major is going to be, but the importance of college is your option. That has also roll, rolled over into obviously the sports side of it because they know we have a long line of college athletes in our family. Both Margaret Ann and I, our brothers, our her, her sister-in-law, my parent, my dad, you know, so there's that element too, where it's like, you want to play a sport in college. What sport do you want to play? You know, well, if you want to play that sport in college, well, here's all the work that you need to do in order to get there. Mm -hmm. Ben and I had the conversation the other day about 10,000 hours. And if you work 10,000 hours to be great at something, that's 27 years. Well, you don't have that 27 years to get to college. Like if you're going to be that great, you've got to go, right? It was, I was over exaggerating 10,000 years, but you get 10,000 hours, but you get the point of like, how do we make it more deliberate for them to understand that everything they do needs to have a goal? And is, are we, am I starting too early? Is it kind of getting lost on them or am I over parenting over discussing that where I'm just not letting them have fun? That's another fear too. Is like, do I always have to have this parenting lesson? Yeah. Is there, some, yeah. is there some agenda that right. you're, no, you said a lot of good stuff there. I mean, and, and a lot of the stuff that I've been thinking about that I have been sort of researching and mulling over. And I thought this topic would be 
one where we could just start to scratch the surface because I think as our kids get older and our show um, evolves, I'm sure that we'll continue to revisit some of these bigger themes like the video gaming, you know, getting your kids into college, the whole notion of, you know, are the kids going to good public schools where our kids are currently going in elementary? There's a lot of schools, school dynamics happening in Cobb where we live, which is really interesting. But back to the sort of college thing, there was two, there's two books that I'd recommend. You touched on some topics that I think they cover pretty well in a couple of these books. One of them is called Who Gets In and Why? And it's a year inside college admissions. And it's uh, written by a guy named Jeff Salingo. And if you ever wondered what it was like to get into like these really competitive public universities like the University of Washington or even competitive private schools like here in Atlanta, Emory University, this book sort of uncovers that and gives you that perspective. The other one that's really interesting is called The Years That Matter Most, How College Makes, a, Makes or Breaks Us by Paul Tuff. And then there was a really good article that came out over the weekend, which the headline kind of grabs your attention if you're thinking about affording college. It's called High School Grades Could Be Worth $100,000. Time to Tell Your Child. And the article breaks down how colleges are now competing for students, not student athletes, but for students, because it's it's become an arms race, right? I mean, it's about having the best facilities. It's about having kids that can pay full tuition. It's not just about, you know, having, you know, kids on campus who can pay partial or no tuition. It's about having kids that can pay full tuition um, and so the idea of starting to talk to your middle schooler about the importance of grades in high school, it really was an eye opener for me because I'm not, we're not having these conversations at home yet, but to say that it doesn't sit in the back of my mind that the Hope Scholarship in Georgia is under more pressure, you know, there's a certain population that wants to cut a little bit more each year. And then there's a certain population that wants to continue to preserve hope. For those of you that don't know, in Georgia, if you graduate from high school in the top 10% of your graduating class, is it, uh, Brad, you're um, guaranteed a Hope Scholarship? It's GPA related. I think it's 3.5 yeah. or higher. Right. And basically, you have to maintain a 3.0 in college, and they'll pay for basically your tuition, yeah. most of your tuition. Yeah, it's uh, it's tuition, books, um, and I think everything but board. Remember. Yeah, which keeps a lot of really talented high school kids here in the state of Georgia. Oh, it's an amazing program. And it's program. funded mostly by the lottery, um, yeah. and they're starting to look at some other revenue streams. So, I mean, that's something that a lot of states don't offer. And we've got really great universities, uh, but the cost of going to college, the competitiveness to get into college is now – forcing families to start to make some choices early. For example, to your point about if you go to a private school in Metro Atlanta, you have to be very exceptional at that private school probably to get into a University of Georgia, whereas maybe you go to an underserved high school and you're still exceptional, but because they're trying to diversify that class around a variety of factors, that, that, that student might a better chance and so if you ever wanted to understand like how they build a class, you got to read you got to read that book who gets in and why because it it'll really it it's it can in some ways upset you, but in some ways it can enlighten you because there's a game being played yeah, at the right, end of the day. Right. I mean that's There's a that's game the... being played by the universities and there's a game being played by the parents. And so if you don't know the game, then you know, you're you're not going to have as many options. So the, the other point that I would make in terms of college is like you, you talked about coming from a, a long line of athletes uh, in your family is this whole this whole idea of playing division one sports versus playing college sports, college athletics. And that was another thing that came out of doing a lot of this reading is that there's a lot more kids who realize I'm probably not good enough to get a division one basketball scholarship. But I might be able to go to a really good academic Division three school, and if I can recruit my way basically on the team, you know, which is going to you know require work on behalf of the the student, 
then there might be an opportunity because those, again, those colleges want to be competitive. You know, those colleges want to field um, competitive varsity teams. And so there's all these different strategies. I don't know. I mean, it's it's caused me to think a lot more. No, nah, man, we are actually, it's, it, again, it, we are pimping our high school students at this point. It, it really is. Parents become full-time marketers for their kids in some capacity. It used to be yeah, you were good enough, you were in the paper, the coach helped because you had relationships and if you were an athlete, um, or your grades were good enough, you had an academic scholarship and you knew what your major was and this is where you could go. It is now literally a fight for everything, and it is always the keeping up with the Joneses. Even at this age, I feel like people judge now compared on how your kid reads when your kid reads, you know, I mean, you're talking about kindergarten element or, you know, kindergarten, preschool, kindergarten, first grade, having conversations with some of these parents, it becomes this over the top dialogue. Parents, I sat in class one time and one of the parents asked when it was a kindergarten class or first grade, when the target target slash gifted program was going to be accepting students and how they could prepare for it. Oh my God. These kids are in kindergarten. Like, let's right. stop. Right. And this is the old school mentality in me, man. I just am not comfortable with it. I, I see parts of me that are kind of in the weeds, a la baseball. Um, and it, I hate it. But the fact of the matter is, you know, I had to fight for scholarship money for my education at college, and I loved it. The benefits that I got from that well outweigh the education that I received the personal, you know, the personal attributes, the professional development, the life lessons that I learned in going off to college, six hours from home, figuring out how to get my act together, having mentors and help along the way. Like that was what really mattered. One of our clients asked me to sit in and she interviewed me for a high school class. And this was last Friday. And I was asked some great questions, but one of the questions was like, what do we need to be doing now to differentiate ourselves for when we go to college or when we want jobs? And I'm like, nobody asked me that 26 years ago, however long it was. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. Differentiating myself. No, nah, man. I mean, it's like, how do I <laughs> survive? Profile? Yeah, no. Yeah. It's and, different. But, it's but so I, different. I had to tell him, I'm like, you know what you need to do? You really need to go. You need to get an internship. You need to get an apprenticeship. You need to realize that you're not going to get paid for it. You need to do do philanthropic, charitable work. Like these kids have to build a resume, sophomores, juniors, and senior years in high school. Do you know what I would have said to someone? I would have been like, screw you, dude. Like, <laughs> I am not doing any of that. And I didn't. So I just I find it fascinating that we are putting so much pressure on these kids to be these amazing people. And probably it ha- it's having the reverse effect. We need to get a psychologist, a, a child psychologist, to interview them on this exact topic like how has the fast-paced keeping up with the joneses mentality of our society negatively impacted kids because we expect so much of them we put so much pressure on them yeah well look i mean i think i i think it would be great we could get somebody on i'm sure that we could we could land somebody this is a topic that a lot of people are you know they care a lot about especially parents uh i i can tell you just like i said from reading just a couple of the many 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 books out there I mean, there's a reason there's so many out there. There's just so many parents that buy them. There's so many parents that are thinking about the stuff. How do I get how do I get my kids into great schools? How do I afford to pay, you know, to to get my kids into a competitive college? Um, but the same thing exists for, like I said, for athletics. So the reason I brought the topic up is because I know we've spent a good amount of time talking about youth sports, and we'll continue to talk about it because our kids are active in activities. And they're active in sports, and it's going to be, you know, it's a big part of our upbringing. I'm sure it'll be a big part of our kids' upbringing. But there's also the other side of of the coin, which is all the, you know, which is all the academic-related stuff. And I don't think we've talked about that as much. And so I think as we, you know, as we go down the uh, go down the road as as we're raising our kids, it's going to become more and more the reality that if we do want to position them and help them think about their options and help them prepare for the realities that one day they'll leave the nest, right? How do you, A, pay for it? 
How do you know that it's something that that's what they want? How do you know they're prepared? What are their options? I know one thing I'll never forget when I was in junior in high school, probably. I think we went to go see our high school guidance counselors like one time. We were sort of required to do that, right? Yeah. And I don't know what the percentage of kids from Newton High School that went on to some type of college, community college, university, um, who knows? Maybe a 60%, maybe it was less. But we had to go to the counselor one time. And I remember saying, well, I want to go out of state for school. And you know what the response was from the counselor? Now, why would you want to do that? And, And I ended up never forgetting that comment. Now, I wasn't prepared in hindsight. I had no, no... I won't say no business, but the colleges that I wanted to go to and the grades I needed and the test scores I needed, I, I wasn't prepared. And that, that wasn't my parents' fault, right? It, it was just I wasn't as focused. I needed to start thinking about that in eighth grade, ninth grade, and start taking the right classes and start studying a certain way and getting the right grades. And uh, I don't know. I was just into sports. I was into, you know, dating. I was into my friends. I was not into thinking, where am I going to go when I'm 18? You were being so, a high school kid. which Yeah, is, I was just having fun. Are we allowing kids these days to be high school kids? Yeah. So anyway. Is it, is it too parenting you know, too parenting cliche for me to say, are we really letting these kids be kids? Like, I mean, Anne, at 16, 17 years old, what were you thinking about? Uh, I had an older sister who was in college. I had to go on college visits with her when I was – young so freshman year so i was thinking about it for a while but wasn't it already predetermined in your family that you were going to clemson if you got in uh i mean we were clemson fans but not like that was not for sure like katie never even i don't think applied she just went to alabama it's kind of like wherever you wanted to go but clemson was obviously on my mind did you do any charitable work apprenticeship anything did you work in high school of course i did i think i always had a job and i went on a mission trip every year um, I worked at a restaurant. I was a hostess. I did the tennis tournaments on the weekends. I babysat. Well-rounded twist. Did the conversation ever come up like somebody's going to have to pay for this or that's an expensive school or was that just a conversation that happened but you weren't privy to it? Yeah, I think it happened and I wasn't knowing about it, but I'm definitely paying for it now, which I didn't know about beforehand. So... <laughs> You're like through student loans. Yeah. Dad, so dad said like, Hey, Ann, here you go. It's your turn now. Yeah. And did not think that that was a thing all throughout college. And then after college, he didn't tell me that until a, after. A perfect example of financial literacy. Part of the conversation that we probably need to talk even deeper with, like that we need to have a financial literacy expert. And, jump and, on and, and here's, here's, here's what, here's why I asked, because one of the, one of the things that was a big takeaway from this reading was that you're right brad the parents and the kids they'll work their asses off to get the opportunity to go to a really competitive college or to play athletics at a really good division three school right and get a really great liberal arts degree you know what they typically don't talk about is how the hell they're going to pay for it yeah and the schools and the universities don't really help because again, they just want you to be so excited that you got in to said school that you're just going to figure out how to make it work. And they throw out merit scholarships and all this stuff to make it seem like, oh, you've gotten a great deal. I mean, it's like airline seating going to a college now. There's like no consistent rate between the person that sits in 1A and the person that sits in 64B. And uh, I don't know, man, it just it just feels more and more like as an informed parent, I feel like my responsibility, I don't want to say to snowplow the way to college for my kids, but I do think my responsibility is to know how this game is being played and understand where the scholarships are and understand how you work the process, just like the colleges are working the students. $1.6 trillion, uh, according to the Federal Reserve Bank, is... Uh, the the collective balance of outstanding student loans in this country. So people aren't paying attention to it. People are defaulting on them. It'll be interesting over the next four years, too, to see how that's handled. That was a topic that's been brought up a lot. 
during the the election? How is the student yeah. debt going to be handled? And I think you're going to see a lot more kids not go to college. Right. There are a lot more industries now accepting certificates. There are mm-hmm. colleges providing certificates as opposed to whatnot. So much more yeah. to come on that too. Good sure. stuff. Two deep dives this week. Let's wrap things up with this week's Final Four. All right, guys. Final Four, your favorite video game of all time. We're probably going to shock some people. We may have to get some people to Google it if they're younger and listening. But give it to me and your favorite video game growing up mine was 100 percent mario kart like the straight driving ones through rainbow road i was really good at it. mario so kart I, a great wii game it's really great on the wii we played yeah. that before with the kids only wii andres what's yours i had an xbox before kids and it lasted about a year it broke but there was a game called call of duty modern warfare that i just took my aggression out on after work i <laughs> played it couple times a week for 30 minutes and it was one of those shoot 'em up violent video games um i probably still have the game somewhere in my closet but it was fun it was like 30 minutes i told heidi i was like i'm just getting aggression out and then i'd shut it off and i'd wait a week and play it again but it was fun <laughs> um i i'm changing mine mine actually if i think about it was in college we used to play i think it was an early version of playstation i think it was like the first ever playstation it was uh, 007. It was like a James Bond where you could play against each other mm-hmm. and you could take each other out. I also loved Zelda and I also loved Contra. And for our final four, the fourth one, can you give me the cheat code to get 30 lives in Contra? I never played that game. <laughs> Andres, do you remember it? It was like up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. B A B A select start up up down down left right left right B A B A select start I think. <laughs> How do I remember? That? I don't know. That was Nintendo, dude. <laughs> but I will also tell you now. I'm thinking about it. Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Yeah. Total classic. Unbelievable game. Those are original Nintendo games, man. Nice. Y'all are old. <laughs> what, yes, a prop- we- what a proper way to end the show. And that's <laughs> this week's <laughs> Biz Dads. All right, well, guys, we'll see you next week. We're out. <laughs>